everybody. Uh, I'm Dave from Paper Street Music Company, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Paper Street Post. I'm here with Tim Coley. Hello. Uh, Greg Smith. Hey, everybody. And last but not least, Jordan Frederick. Hello. Hello. That is your last name, correct? Yes. It took me a quick second to make sure that was your last name before I actually said it out loud. And never has Jordan felt less validated <laughs> as a member of this band. <laughs> it just means, like, you're more like Cher to me. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, you're more like a one name. You're like an enigma. At least it's not like Kenny G. I'm one. <laughs> yeah. I got one leg up on him. Jordan F. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is our first time uh, on the Paper Street Post as a band, I think. Um, mostly whole. Uh, but more importantly, without Bobby uh, Sweeney, our, our previous host. I think as of right now, uh, perhaps just in the interim, perhaps not, um, I'm going to be hosting. Uh, that could be a temporary thing. It might not be a temporary thing. Let's just see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're not making any promises to anybody at this point. Uh, this is not the time to make promises in the world. Um, free, free trial period. We can revoke our membership at any point. <laughs> so, um, a lot of things are in flux right now um, in the world, um, but also in our band and like a lot of other creatives, there's a lot of question about what that's going to look like going forward. Um, and again, not just in music, but in all forms of any kind of art, whether that be um, something physical that you go see or something that you participate in, either way, it, it, that whole landscape has changed. Um, so uh, I, I think right now, I think it's really important for us uh, as a band who have kind of relished the idea of being able to speak to the people, like our audience, uh, on a regular basis and being able to interact with them at shows and even on social media. Um, it's important for us to be able to have a conversation about what is going on with us, but also how we as creatives are dealing with what's going on in general. Um, and I feel confident in saying we're not the only ones having this conversation. We're probably just a small fraction of the ones that are having this recorded. Um, but this is at least our piece of it, you know? So um, that's what this episode is going to be about. We've kind of talked a little bit about what this is going to be about, but we wanted this to also be a little off the cuff and natural because I think we all have some serious ideas about what's going on. And I think we have some serious ideas of what we can do to make it through it. Um, we're not a business, um, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about <laughs> specifically why we're not a business. Um, but it, we're, all, you know, we have the same kind of struggles, so I think it's just important for that to be out there. Um, and then also before we get into our actual conversation, I think it's important for us to stress to everybody um, that whether you were a passive fan or an active fan or a, a family member or a friend of ours, uh, we hope you are all truly staying well. Um, and you haven't been directly impacted by what's going on in any regard, whether it's COVID related or whether it's, um, you know, the, the protests that are going on and what's going on in the world in general. So, um, that's just my, my piece of that. But so, yeah, uh, what, what do you guys make of what's going on? How have you guys been doing with it? Well, I've thought about what, what this whole, the whole COVID thing means, you know, in terms of being a musician and a performer and an artist and what all those things look like in a COVID world. Um, and I, I really, you know, I was able to sort of, for me personally, and I think for, for our band, being able to divide it up into two different categories, one of a creative person that needs to create art in, in our, in our turn, in our sense, that's in a band. And then there's also the performing side of things. And I feel like, um, you know, the performing side has been just completely just demolished by this COVID thing, you know, and, and I've got a lot of friends that, you know, don't perform in, in um, creative endeavors like we do, who are just totally lost because they don't, they don't necessarily create, they just like to perform and you can't really play shows right now. So they're not only are they, you know, hurting financially, like a lot of people are, but they're also not getting that soul food that they need. Yeah. But at the, in the same, at the same time, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, I know for myself being a full-time, you know, teacher, 
you know, and having having seemingly a lot more free time on my hands, I guess for lack of a better term, is I have had more time to be creative. You know what I mean? And I've had more time to um, sort of dive into my own musicianship and playing and all that. And while I wish that the world was not this way, like I really wish it was the, you know, I wish we were playing shows and writing and how it always used to be. You know, I as, a, as an artist and as a creator, I've found that, as long as you can stay inspired, which is the trick, no matter what is happening, whether there's a pandemic or there isn't, as long as you can stay inspired and focus your energy in on that, without many other distractions, you know, that's kind of ideal. So there are a lot of ideal points of the day, quote unquote, that I'll say, like I'll have during this COVID time because I don't have anything else that's taking me away from when that moment strikes. Um, so I guess there is sort of double edged in that in that regard. So I've found that I haven't been struck, or I, and I feel like we, you know, but I haven't been struggling as much as some of my, you know, musician colleagues that perform in say cover bands or wedding bands or like, you know, where they make a lot of their money playing in groups like that that are that have just not been getting you know that just haven't been getting work. So. I think depending on the kind of work that you do and the kind of uh, and the kind of creativity and the kind of art you value and the kind of art that you want to be involved in, you know, this has really sort of leveled. I won't say leveled the playing field. It's sort of been the opposite. You know, it's sort of been the opposite of that. So I'm I'm really interested to see the music, creative music, and the new music that comes out of this whole pandemic right you know hopefully there will be a lot of material for those folks that haven't been performing to perform yeah i think i think for groups like us especially it's going to be a little bittersweet because all of a sudden we're going to have a bunch of people that have had nothing but time mm, yeah. to write songs and go play out like yeah. when we get a chance to go play out I mean, right the competition is going to be immense and that's good uh, i mean that's what you want oh as a creative like you can't yeah. help but be extremely happy about you want that, that. Yeah. absolutely yeah. uh i think the world's a better place with more music in it yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the weirdest things. I was talking to a, to a colleague this week about that exact same thing. About there, there is so little time for boredom in like the American daily life that I feel like all of a sudden people have this wealth of time that they really aren't used to having, right. and have to figure out what to do with. So, not just music. People are you know going to be having new hobbies like across the spectrum, which is probably going to be really liberating for a lot of people and probably will develop a really healthy work-life balance. That's kind of one thing that going through this whole COVID thing as a teacher, kind of like Tim said, it's, it's sort of, I, I spend a lot of time at school because that, I mean, that's, what's important to me. I think that's part of the job is you get in there and, and you, you spend the time you need to, to do, do well by your students and the school community. But having a lot of those aspects taken away kind of left this huge void in my day where not only just the commute, but teaching online, you know, um, maybe in shorter classes or classes every other day as opposed to daily, sort of left this giant space of time that I've never had in, you know, all my years of working and then all my years of schooling. So it's like, what in the world do I do right now? And as a musician and as a performer, I, I like Tim, use that time to like hone my craft. It's like, I haven't had this much time to practice my instrument in 15 years like <laughs> yeah. let's do it let's go this is so exciting to me like right. there it has been a long time since i woke up and had the energy to practice my instrument after getting home from a long day at work you know normally it's just one more thing that i know i need to do because that's the that's what you do as a musician you gotta practice but all of a sudden having it be something that not to say that i wasn't ever not driven to play my instrument but to to have the time where it's not taking away from other things that make my life special, you know, whether it's teaching or family re relationships, relationships with my friends, relationships with, you know, a significant other. Um, it's been really, really nice to just have that time. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I've personally kind of gone the other way. Hmm. <laughs> like, uh, I think a, a lot of it has to do with, um, what rewards me. And like, like I'm, I'm not one that's like driven to do things that I find, difficult and also not as rewarding as they once were so like 
instead of... Well, you progress so little when you practice now as opposed to when you were 15. Is that well, what you mean? Well, that's true, too. And we actually used to have a friend, uh, Dominic. Yeah. Dominic. Uh, we had a conversation with him years and years ago. Mm-hmm. It's almost 10 years ago. About how, like, you jump... As far as your, your skill goes, you go from zero to, let's say, like, 70% uh, in maybe, like, six years. Yeah. Right? Um, and then the next, like, 10% might take you 10 years. Oh, diminishing returns and, for sure. Yeah, and then, like, 5% yeah. takes you another 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just a small, you know, it's small steps once you get to a certain level. Sure. Um, and not, I'm not saying I've gotten there. <laughs> That's not what I'm arguing. But you bring up a, a, an interesting point anyway. Um, but so, like, uh, me personally, I, I'm not really, I'm not much of, an, like, a, like, a traditional artist. Like, I'm not good with, like, pen and paper. Like pencil and paper, like it's not not me. I've always wanted to be that, and I think every maybe should be. I'm assuming everybody, but maybe just boys want to be like comic book artists. You know what I mean? And that was just never going to be a possibility for me unless it was going to be stick figures exclusively. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for me, um, if the past few years I've been getting woodworking a lot, so um, instead of spending my time playing an instrument, I've found like I've been really interested in like architecture. And design and like figuring out like that sort of side of my artistic side which is i think what's been kind of nourishing me through this because um we we, we still are working on an album we've been working on it for a long time and i think in part that's kind of uh contributed to how i got burnt out a little bit um just because it's the same thing over and over again and we're trying to get to the same place over and over again it's like playing a video game but you don't seem to be changing levels you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um that's kind of how I felt. So uh, woodworking and just being in the shop and working on design and looking at architecture has kind of like nourished the artistic side of me that I didn't necessarily expect going into all this. It's sort of like Tim mentioned, it's the soul food. It's right. Like that woodworking right. is that soul food for you right now. Right. And I, and I think, um, like like Tim had talked about, like he has friends that like, like to go perform. And I like to create as well. But I think creating is a step for me in getting to performing something that i've created you know what i mean it's kind of like the opportunity to show something you've made to the world yeah um and not having that as a reward Mm -hmm. has taken away a little Mm. bit from me yeah that's a good point because whenever whenever there is composing happening with us whether it's an individual or all of us together it is a means to an end because we are going to perform it and if there if there's a point during the writing process where we're like we're not going to perform it then we don't finish writing it Right. However, uh, I am a component, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm an advocate, I should say, proponent, proponent thank you, of, of, of writing for the sake of writing and, right. and just creating for the sake of creating and just exercising that muscle anyway. Mm-hmm. But and, that's, and I feel like that aspect, it, it mirrors, Dave, when yeah. you go to woodwork, even though right. mechanically and uh, kinesthetically you're not working the same muscles of not, course not in the same way right but it's a way of expanding your mind in a in a new direction that way when you turn you know if you if you push yourself on guitar for 15 20 years you're pushing you're widening that that room that houses your creativity you're like pushing hard against that one wall but it gets harder and harder to push that wall right so when you turn around and look at a new wall like woodworking and you can go and push on that wall for a couple of years you turn around and the room's bigger yeah, right. there's a, a story that That's Tim a, knows better than I do, um, but I feel like it might be about Rivers Cuomo. He left music for a little while to paint, and then when he came back no, to music, that was Conrad Keeley from uh, um, "Annual Notes by the Trail mm-hmm. of Dead." Yes. Yeah, yeah, he 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 wrote here. He de- designed all of their album covers, or most of them, certainly from like after the first few records, like onward. Like currently, he does all of it. Like he'll. Like speaking of comic books, like there was one, there a couple albums he did. He wrote like a story with the album, and he wrote a comic book to it. And um, like the one album, it was his entire. It was just this extremely detailed picture that he did in nothing but ballpoint pen, and it was like gorgeous. And it was just, it was just ballpoint pen. But he did say, uh, you know. You know, he took a long break because he started, he was an artist first, a visual artist before he was a musician. And so he became, you know, a rock star or whatever. And then he was doing both. And then he said, you know, it took like four years or five years away from 
visual art completely. Like just took took a massive hiatus. Granted, uh, the, his band and you'll notice by the Trail of Dead, they were on like tour and doing all this stuff, so they were busy. But he went back to it was better than when he left. He was mm. a better artist when he came back to it after taking four or five years off. And and I think that that's art. You know that that it it improves itself because it grows. If you grow, then your art artistic output grows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I love sports. I do. But if you don't keep your body in shape, you're not going to be able to perform. But art sometimes, you know, you, you take that, you take that time away, you move away from it and you come back to it, you know, because it just, you become back to it an older and a different person. So yeah, he said that and it gave me a lot of confidence that when I hit the dry spell, quote unquote dry spell, that it's just like my, there's just the muse taking a nap or something, you know. It's, you it's feel like that, that people that are that way, I mean, I feel like most artists that I know to a degree are obsessive about things and that, and it waxes and wanes. Yeah. Sort of yeah. like you, you get obsessive about this one thing and you sort of move to your next thing, you sort of move to your next oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And I, I find that more with artists and creative types than I do, I would say, with just, yeah. you know. No, I think that's just nature of the beast. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the hand you're dealt when you're an artist or a lot of folks that are artists or creative people, that that's just how they're built and then they just act accordingly. But you're right, though. They do, like, people like that will go from one thing to the next. And, like, once they they feel, you know, a lot of people, once it starts to feel like work, they quit. Yeah. You know, because there's that initial creative spark where it hits them easy and they can be creative. And then all of a sudden it's work and they quit. But you know, no one that ever ends up being great ever is that, does, does it that way. But um, anyway... Yeah, I don't know. This went off on a whole crazy tangent. <laughs> well, it didn't. It didn't because I think, um, like like you said it like really early in this conversation, which I think is interesting. But like it's like soul food. Like I think, um, let's just address the, the elephant in the room. There <laughs> there are kids outside that are playing. Um, we hope they're playing. And they are having. They're screaming. They are having a great time. They're having the best time of their lives. It's been summer break since mid March. <laughs> they don't know what they're, they don't know. What I don't know what day it is, yeah. what time it is. They're just improvising at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but like you said, uh, it, it's it's like soul food, and I think right now for a lot of people, um, whether your art is um, street performance or whether it's uh, writing music in a group setting, which has been challenging in groups in general, or whether you're part of the National Symphony, I think there is an, a want and a desire to find something else that nourishes that side of your of your consciousness um and i think that's what this is all about so yeah. i mean it wasn't as much of a tangent as you would lead on but uh you know it's yeah. i think it's i think it's all part of the same dynamic you bringing up your woodworking kind of made me think about some things i've been talking with colleagues about um a lot of people have seen especially i, I would say people with families that so, sort of the entire time with covid has been sort of like a reset yeah. where they've been able to kind of like reprioritize the things that were important with, to them and for me, it's definitely not, it's been, it has not been a reset. Like my, my perfect day, I could have told you this a year ago, five years ago, like my perfect day, if I can practice my instrument a little bit, exercise a little bit, read a little bit, you know, play a little bit of video game, like that's perfect day, right? Mm -hmm. And so during COVID, that's been every day. It's <laughs> like, it's been amazing. I'm like, this is yeah. what I've always wanted, yeah, you know? Right. Um, but for other people, they're like, it's the complete opposite. They're like, right. I've had to... Like people have a really hard time adjusting right. to, you know, whether it's not just not being able to go out to public or having to having all this time that they don't know what to do with mm -hmm. or having to take care of the kids that right. teachers have been telling them for years are terrible. <laughs> um, you know? <laughs> not that you've heard any not, not not that I have any personal experience with that. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's it's interesting because um, we are I, I think probably most creative people, I would I, I wouldn't say all, but probably most, um, are probably the most uh, apt to deal with what's going on right now because yeah. there are so many things like I know myself like not just woodworking but like, I have like all kinds of weird things I want to do someday and like yeah. this this amount of time had I not been working on a project or had like a yeah. bunch of projects lined up I can see me like I'm gonna start you know carving soap or something like that you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. it's like a bunch of like random things and I think people with like nervous energy or just like a bunch of energy mm -hmm. and I would argue like Jordan and, and maybe even Greg have a lot of energy 
that you need to expel sometimes. I would I would say someone that doesn't have like a creative side or hasn't explored the creative side because I think sure. we're all capable of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are probably not dealing with this as well as you would otherwise. Um, I think a lot of it too comes down to being uh, I, I'm struggling to think past the phrase of solution oriented because it's not really a, a solution as much as it is almost like a product. We're so used to setting i guess goal being goal oriented you know like we're looking at the end destination for this song for this album for this track um and and we i mean we there's a big exploration process and we find a lot of things that don't work uh and we find a few that do we we choose the one that's best and we we act on it we make it happen and when we find ourselves in situations where for 76 hours in a row there's nothing to do we (laughs) we are the ones that come up with the creative ways to fill that time. Um, Whereas if you're not used to constantly working towards a goal or being able to visualize the goal or don't have the experience even in seeing something through um, to the end, then then that process probably looks pretty daunting. I have a lot of friends up in Ohio who their job and its very nature is very segmented. They do part of an entire job. You know, right. and they, they see it once it's done, but they, they only contribute that one step in the process. And I feel like because we're so involved in the creative process and putting something on stage or putting something on um, tape or MP3. Uh, <laughs> and data. You know, we, we're, we just make zero yeah. and ones, really. <laughs> but, but we're there, for, all, all of us are there from beginning to end. And, and that, I feel like that translates, even if it's just subconscious. Yeah. Well, it certainly it certainly makes it worthwhile for me. I mean, like I I I enjoy being there at the inception of it all and then if there when we're employed. You're talking about COVID, right? No. <laughs> um, you, you ate the bat. It was you. Wow. It was me. We're getting really <laughs> Okay. Uh, and then being able to to display it in front of an audience. It is it is it is great, and I think it does come across when people realize that it was us that wrote all that stuff too. It's yeah. kind of, people enjoy that. They think right. it's pretty cool, you know. Well, I think we all have. I think probably every artist has like that, like that segment of their uh, social group, whether it's at work or if it's like family members that don't really know that you have a creative side. Mm-hmm. And then once you like show it to them, or like they happen upon it, they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you did this," and they're like, "Yeah, I've been doing it for like 15 years yeah. now." Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think that surprise is always like a little bit enjoyable. Like it's a little more tasty than like, anybody else is like, oh, that new song you wrote is great. Yeah. When your aunt finds out that you've been playing in a rock band for fifteen years, and she's like, oh my god, you're such a good guitar player, and I'm like, well, I'm not, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, that is like, it feels, you know, it's that much better. And I'm, I'm assuming it's the same thing for almost every art, every style of art, right? For sure, I would assume. So, uh, what have you guys been filling your time with? Is it, is, it just, is it just practicing? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. intrigued by this too because I feel like we, it's come up in this conversation that there's the personal side of things and then there's the artistic side of things. Um, I feel like for us, our artistic health and our emotional health, can they can overlap sometimes, but they don't over... I mean, what is in some months a... Uh, Dave, you kind of spoke to this. What in some months is very inspiring, in other months the very same act, the very same song right. can be demoralizing and dragging. You know, and, and, um, I, I, I'm, I also am curious, uh, what some of you guys have been doing, not just to cope, but to push yourselves creatively as well, because I, I've been, I've been learning more covers, just me at my piano than I have in a really long time. And that's been cool. And I don't know if it's going to turn into quote unquote inspiration for something that I'm going to write in the, in the coming year. Um, but I have, I've never really been someone to sit down and learn a cover at the piano. I, I much more uh, have preferred just like, I don't know, just jamming and writing and, yeah. and sitting on a, on a, a chord progression and, and just kind of seeing where it takes me and right. um, losing myself. Like fleshing it in that way. Bit. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious, Greg, mm-hmm. because this is, this is how little I know about like piano players in general. Like what? What kind of covers are you learning? Like, do they all have piano? Because I assume like you have oh. like a very like 
in my mind anyway, it's like, well, if there's no piano in the song, I can't cover it. But at the same time, like, I know there's like, this is like the Nirvana, this is their Nirvana book you get like at the music store. <laughs> and it's like every Nirvana song, but it's all yeah. like the piano stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's not where you're going. But no, I'm also I mean, curious. <laughs> I, I definitely should not be the person to speak for what types of songs piano players learn, having just said. I, <laughs> <laughs> I never sit down and learn covers, but... It's strictly Boston. For, I can only speak all <laughs> Boston's greatest hits. I can see the book. I can. <laughs> it was on clearance. <laughs> uh, so I can only speak for myself, but it, it's been for me, for me to sit down at the piano and learn somebody else's song. The piano is a huge part of that. Yeah. Right. Like the piano in the track, the piano right. recording is huge. Um, so. The uh, I've been I've been sitting through some Brandy Carlisle stuff because she sits down on oh, the yeah. piano for probably like a third or half of her songs and they're gorgeous even though her range is way out of. Can I can I, can I I'm gonna interrupt you for just a second just just because I I don't know the last time we released a podcast uh and you and I went and saw Brandy Carlisle yeah dude so I'm I'm not uh, a Brandy Carlisle fan per se but Jesus Christ. That was the best show I've ever seen in my life. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So because the, the musicianship that like like the whole band has is great, obviously. But so uh, we've talked about this before on podcasts. I think previously, like mm-hmm. we're very lucky to live in Nashville because we have all these like very unique venues, mm-hmm. um, and like really big acts will play at some of these the tiniest places, um, and the Ryman downtown, the Mother Church. Mm-hmm. Um, that venue is spectacular for a number of reasons besides just like the acoustics and all that kind of stuff but also because it has become like such a destination point for almost every musician that when they finally get there if you're lucky enough to be there when they arrive it like you can see like the emotion in their face and you can hear like the warble in their voice for the first like few songs until they get to say like i am so happy to be here and that was that was that night we were there for the first night when she played it and dude, like I was there for Nathaniel Rateliff too. So I guess so I, I shouldn't say that's the best performance I've ever seen because Nathaniel Rateliff, I saw him there as well in the Night Sweats for, for that first album they did together, mm-hmm. which was absolutely a phenomenal performance. Um, and then Brandy Carlisle just tore down the house and she was so emotionally involved in that performance. Yeah. It was that kind of stuff <clears throat> as not just a creative, but like as a human being, it's so, uh, what's the word? Like it, it's it's like soul food, man. Like it's yeah. it's like it nourishes your soul visceral. to see somebody that's seen that's like has been through what they've been through mm-hmm. and they've achieved something so monumental. Mm-hmm. Um, to watch someone achieve that kind of stuff is just it's like watching the Olympics and watching someone win the gold medal for the first time. Like it's the tears, it's everything, yeah. but it's over an hour and a half or two hours of performance. Yeah. It's been really nice to see shows lately. I'm oh. <laughs> It's killing me, Dave. Wow. It's, it's like there's been nothing that wow. I'm going, you know, what is it, four months without seeing a show? If you're chosen, like, yeah. you can go watch yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've already had four concert tickets that have been, you know, mm. bumped into. You should just go watch the last waltz and we had Yeah, it. that's true. been killing uh, Anyway, killing you're talking Brandy Carlisle, piano Yeah, covers. so uh, you were talking about Brandy Carlisle. I feel like her, um, what's interesting about seeing her live is that there's so much variety in the show. Because, and I think this is something we do really well. Uh, every song has its own spirit, and we, everything we do is to try to capture and convey that spirit. Right. And um, we play to our strengths, but a lot of times the songs that, that hit the stage are very different from other songs that we have in that same set. Yeah. And I think she does that really well. But that's so the piano is a big aspect for me, and I think lyrics are another big aspect for me. And I, neither of those are um, probably very surprising to anybody at this table, but. Um, Matt Carney is the other like I, I've been playing I've been learning Memorize by Matt Carney right. and it's it's uh, I mean it's super simple but man it's just one of those it's an ear, it's been an earworm for me recently I haven't been able to get out of my head right interesting mm-hmm. very interesting I I played in a cover band for a long time mm-hmm. you guys already know that uh, so there I've come to this like realization for better or worse that like learning, learning a cover does nothing but like disappoint me in the end you know what i mean like it's kind of like a if you have like really good bread and then you go home and like i'm gonna make this bread uh once you know what goes into making that bread and you can make it at home it's no longer your favorite bread 
So, mm-hmm. like, there are some songs I will intentionally never learn mm-hmm. because I've happened across. I'll be, like, like noodling, and I'm like, oh, I can play, like, the beginning of Bold as Love. I'll be like, okay, I'm stopping there, though, because I don't want to learn how to play the rest of it. If I know how to play the rest of it, I'm not going to be as impressed with that entire album. Um, maybe that's just a me thing. You just have a really high quality of life. I mean, <laughs> some of the bread you're making at home. Mm-hmm. My bread's pretty good. It's uh, <laughs> The sourdough has been on point. <laughs> Is that a COVID relief? Dude, the amount of people I've seen on social media making sourdough bread. I bought some starters from a guy. Did you really? Because yeah, he got laid off. He got laid off from his bakery, or they Uh, they shut down for mm, a while. Right. And so his only thing was to sell bread from his house. Oh my god. So we picked up a couple loaves of bread, and then he was like, "You should make this at home. Here's a starter." Oh wow, that's you know that's weird that he would tell you to do that. He's putting himself out of business. Yeah. Well, he was he knew he was going to come back. No. Okay. In what two? Hey, you're not going back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm the new head. Yeah. Yeah. Sourdough's definitely seen a resurgence in this past six months. <laughs> it should, man. Sourdough. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, it's so good. No, let me. T- oh, so let me tell you. Uh, sourdough. Toasted sourdough. That's where it's at. I was just gonna say, like, regardless of how you feel about sourdough bread, sourdough toast oh, is the bee's it's knees. The bomb. For some it reason. Well, I do too. I same, but, but like, the, but the toast, yeah, like, you get it like kind of golden. So I'm, we're yeah, gonna, we're all way off topic, but I'm, I'm at. loving this right now. Let's dig in here. Uh, so like, uh, my, my favorite is like a eggs over medium over easy. So just to run it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get some sourdough toast in it there. Does it's dense. Well. And it, it's like yeah. a sponge, dude. Mm-hmm. It yep. makes it right up. I will say yep. because of my allergies, I have a really hard time tasting things. I'm sorry, so, what? I because of my allergies. You said loss of taste was one of the symptoms that you're... <laughs> loss of taste? <laughs> loss? Yeah, so I can't taste anything I taste these past couple months. Really? Yeah, no, just my entire life. So I prefer, like, really bold flavors. Like, drink black coffee, IPAs, like, whiskey, neat. Like, so sourdough just in and of itself has a little more flavor than any, you know, than most bread. Do you like, like rye bread? I love rye bread. Oh, of course yeah, you rye do. Bread's yeah. Rye bread's terrible. Just anything what? that will kick my taste buds Dude, in that's their crazy. respective throat, I will, yeah, like to eat mm. these pungent things. So, uh, okay, I, got, I'm, I have a bunch of questions for you <laughs> because I've, we've never talked about this before. Tune in to the next episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jordan can tolerate on his Breads, <laughs> where do you stand? <laughs> <laughs> if you become a Gold Lover Patreon member, you can listen to <laughs> Oh man, that's fantastic! This has been a this has been great yeah. pod, guys. <laughs> I, <laughs> we got off of the, like serious yeah. stuff. We're talking about breads. That's when I was in. <laughs> I am curious what uh, like Tim, what you've been doing on your own, like on a personal level and a creative level to push yourself into cope. Yeah, uh, well, it's on a so I've been playing a ton of guitar, and that's not anything new. I just I play guitar mm-hmm. all the time, and um, I've also. So my wife Sarah and I are both um, instrumentalists in term like we were, grew up in bands. She's a French horn player, and I'm a trumpet player. And so we have started to we actually started this before coronavirus hit. Um, otherwise, we probably would have been farther along on it. But we're putting together a brass quintet. So like we'll have a tuba, trombone, French horn, and two trumpets, and. I just love, I love that style of music, you know, especially like those old, like British marches where it was sort of a smaller ensemble, just straight up brass. I've always enjoyed playing in that medium a lot and it's challenging. So I, I like that too. So we, we actually have been looking in, in, into doing that and we've sort of started to collect some repertoire and all that. And that's been kind of cool in terms of, because, you know, I need to I need to keep practicing trumpet, like Jordan said. It's you know staying staying true to your to your instrument is just it's the real work. I mean that's the real work. Um, so I've been doing that, and also you know I love Dungeons Dragons, and I've been writing a bunch of stories like with D and D, and and while that's not necessarily like music related, it's still completely creative and like creating things out of thin air which is that's how you that's how songs are made too mm-hmm. so yeah um yeah man i mean the creativity has been it's been it's been rolling and i've been playing a ton of music so yeah that's, uh D is interesting because that's the perfect intersection of social and creativity mm-hmm. um that like a lot of things don't provide to other people so like it's like yeah. even if you're not a musician 
Um, I would argue like there is like a similar line of joy you can find in playing like those kind of tabletop games. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Role playing. Yeah, that that you won't find in Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, I, I find a particular kind of vicious joy. Yeah, Dude, I only playing with these guys. I only find rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually figured that out. I played a tabletop game last week with some friends for like the first time in a long time, and uh, I realized that I have a problem, like a, character, <laughs> a massive character flaw, because when it came down to like we set up the game and like we started playing, and their only goal, the only goal was to just knock me out of the game as fast as they could. Because yeah. they're like, you're just a jerk when you play games. And I'm like, wow, I've got to come to terms with that. Like, and then they left, and I had to spend another whole week by myself, and, you know, just, like, reflecting on that sort of thing. Yeah. It's pretty tough. Hard, is, hard truths. Hard truths. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah, pretty tough. But uh, on the on the creative side, I've, I've actually kind of dug into getting my – like, I've, I've always been a music reader. Like, I like to be reading physical parts. Um, and so over, over this whole like span of the coronavirus, I've actually been doing a lot of just by ear things. I've been picking out like a lick or a line and putting it in all 12 keys and really mm. challenging myself to do that. And it, it's really tough, but it's really rewarding when you like all of a sudden it just clicks <clears throat> because I feel like that's, that's when you really get in touch with your instrument. Like when when it's not about the note or the name of the note or where the note is on the staff, it you like you know the sound you want, and right. you can go right there to create that sound without any inhibition. Right. Like if you can sing something and then like go to your instrument and without any technical flopping around play that, that's like I'm, I'm not saying I achieve I achieved that over coronavirus. <laughs> I didn't. But like perfect pitch working acquired. Toward, <laughs> working towards that it was yeah, it felt really good. It was right. tough. It was challenging, and I, I really really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is a, a joy in general when like even like um, I was thinking like harmonica because like this is this like my earliest memory of people doing that it's like like we had played the, uh, so ten years old there was this kid in our on um, our baseball team that played harmonica and for some reason it came natural to him to play blues harmonica like a ten year old white kid uh, like <laughs> like water. dude like yeah like for some reason he just like he could play blues harmonica fairly well uh, where did you grow up. New Waterford. <laughs> it's about as big as this table. <laughs> Population-wise. Uh, it's about as big as this state. So, re- so record execs, when you're looking for your new harmonica stars, <laughs> do some scouting in New Waterford. Specifically <laughs> for harmonica players <laughs> yeah. that are unsuspecting. Um, oh, God. I bet this guy, I bet this kid is sit- sitting at the only stop sign in that town right now. <laughs> blowing the heart. Yeah. Just a harmonica and ass, his ashtray just sitting singing there, singing the blues through the <laughs> through the reeds, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, if there's any any other time for for the blues, I, I mean, really right now, I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, like it's like that that sense though, like you kind of know where everything is at, and it's just it's a matter of getting your like muscles to match what your brain is already thinking. That is like a magical moment, <clears throat> and like all that collides mm. all at the same time. Um. I, there was it sounds a, like we've all been doing basically that. Yeah, there was a trombone player that came to my school this past year, and it, it just sort of blew my mind because I've never thought about it. He's like, the only thing you need to be striving to do when you practice is make the musician you are on your instrument match the musician you are in your head. Because like mo- most people can sing what they want to play. They can they're they're rhythmic in their head when they're singing stuff, or their ideas are rhythmic. Or have good melody, or have good whatever it is. Yeah. But it, but the problem comes when you get into the technicality of actually doing it, doing it on the physically. Home. Right. I, was like, I never thought about that. Right. That's why it takes practice. That's why it's like that's, that's the hours, right? That's that the is. Thing. That's yeah. why it's like when you talk to people that, you know, like the the worst thing you could ever say, and like. I, not, not that I get upset when I hear this, but it's kind of like, man, you don't know anything. Like when people, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, oh my God, you're so lucky. You're so talented. And I'm going to be like, oh, you have, you have a gift. Yeah. Well, and that we do have a gift. There's, I uh, believe in that, but they make it sound like we never had to practice ever. And like, we just had this from the get go and like, boom, we can just do it. 
And I'm like, man, that's the implication of a gift. Are you good at anything then? Like you must, I, whenever, like whenever someone says that to me and I'm sorry if this sounds hateful, but, not but it like always makes me feel like you must not be good at something then. Cause like, if you were good at something, you would know that you need to work at it. Well, if like they got, everything you're good at, you need to work. If they got that sourdough started, they'd be on their way. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be a whole, di- whole different conversation. <laughs> right. Like, you're almost as good as I am at making sourdough bread. Yeah. <laughs> you're almost as good. <laughs> No, I get that though, and I think, yeah, and and again, it's not not to say anything about those types of people, but whenever they come up to me, it's like I I just think to myself, you must not have ever like really gone nuts over something that you're even even though you're good at, you don't care, you just want to be even better, like you know what I mean? I I know exactly what you mean. It's like that obsessive artist thing I was talking about. Yes, which is why, which like that's what kind of like not to get back at this, but like the whole like gift thing. Like, I, I believe, like, there are some people that are predisposed, like, it's something in their, like, their genetic makeup, like, they're, like, Timbo. Timbo yeah. is by far, like, one of the most, like, intuitive musicians I've yeah. ever seen play. Because, like, everything he does, like, seems like it's effortless for him. Um, but at the same time, to say, like, it's a gift makes it seem like it was given to you. Right, exactly. Like, which discounts all those years of all sounding terrible mm-hmm. yeah. in my bedroom and pissing off my parents. To me, <laughs> to me, the gift, and there is a gift of being able to hear a pitch and being able to, to match it and all, right. that, all that stuff, but the, the gift to me was the absolute need to do it. The drive. You know, the it drive. was like the... That's the true. I watched a guy play guitar and I just thought, I will only love myself if I can do that. Like that, that's how I'm telling you, that's how hardcore it was at the beginning. It was like, I'll only appreciate myself if I can do that. It's that's what I want to do what that guy can do or that gal can do. Like, and that's, that was the gift I thought. Cause otherwise it would have been like, Oh, that's cool. And I would have picked up a guitar and I would have been like, Oh, this is hard. This. Yeah. You know what I mean? But going forward, it's like, no, this is hard, but I just got to, Right. I've got to be somebody that can do this. I think this is the first time you've told me about your experience with conditional love for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about like, that. Right. Let's dive into that for a moment, Tim, shall we? But, but, but really, though, no, I, I know what you mean. I, I know think exactly what you most mean. musicians I've met, when we really have those conversations, they started playing because it was a way that they could, it was a, they were like, I could, I feel cool when I do this. Yeah. Like, I feel like. I could be better than you at this. Sort of. I don't know how to like that's, totally explain it, but you know what I mean. That's so interesting because I have almost the exact opposite view in terms of motivating myself. Because I, <laughs> I, I'm, I've always been very content with where I sat talent wise on the piano. Okay. Um, but when I sit down and play with you guys live and we trade solos or jam. That it's those times where I leave and I'm like, man, I need to be better for them. Mm. Like I, I need to, yeah. I need to make them proud of me like when i'm just alone i'm I'm, i think i think i think i even just use the word content content is perfect like i'm yeah i'm fine with where i'm at yeah um but i i do realize that i need to push myself when you guys show me up and when you show each other up and you you, like you push yourselves uh pushes me and that's what i miss about not i don't we don't have that during this covid thing well and not even we really even haven't we haven't even Mm -hmm. rehearsed you know because dave you're around you know medically fragile folks with your line of work and we just haven't gotten together to rehearse right. in person and there's really nothing like yeah looking at i mean playing shows is great but it's who you're on stage with that's where it, that's where it's at mm-hmm. yeah that, and that's my thing because there's you know there's some sort of energy that is just naturally on that stage before you even step on it mm-hmm. like the second you step on and like okay it's it's showtime downbeat that moment, for some reason, lights a fire that we don't have at rehearsal. Yeah. And that yeah. happens every time. And like you're saying, like, you know, you you feel content when you don't play with, like, when you, like we were playing at home. Mm-hmm. And then you get on stage and you feel like, well, I need to be better. Um, I specifically remember, like, several moments, of, like, in our tenure as a band where I will look over and I, like... Jordan's just like I like maybe I played a solo or something and Jordan's like yeah yeah, yeah. and then I remember multiple times like Jordan would play a solo I'd turn out like a Bobby and be like oh my god you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. because it's this constant like back and forth of impressing each other yeah and, mm-hmm. and it's it's not necessarily because we're that talented and I'm not saying we're not I'm just saying 
The sum of our parts is better. The sum of our parts. But that, but there's also something that happens when you're in a group. We're fortunate to be in in this group because for some reason we feel so unbelievably comfortable that we do things live we've never done before. Mm -hmm. Maybe we've like got to the edge of it and it's never like went over that cliff. But like at every some point, song, every show, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's right. something happens. You're like, dude, yeah, that was not that right. was crazy. Never right. reverse that ever, yeah. And like every now, confidence like, and com- yeah, comfortability, comfortability is what you're yeah. saying. And yeah, and you know what? Sure. I'll I'll say this live on the podcast. Uh, we were fortunate enough to catch some of those moments on the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we totally. Were. Um, yeah, we really were. We, we, were. we really were. And that's I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. We I've recorded several times before and you guys have been in the studio several times. We've I have never been part of something like we caught magic yeah. when we hit record. And I'm not I'm not saying it was because we were all there, but it was like we were in the groove, we were all feeling at the same time and just something happened, something clicked and we're like, "Okay, this is what's going to make it awesome right now." Um so, for those of you that don't play any instrument, <laughs> uh, you'll never experience this. Um, I, I mean, Greg gives piano lessons. He's the best Carver artist I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is—it is something you you kind of almost crave in a way. It's, yeah, it, that that feeling—that's that's the high man. Man, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, I don't dude. get that feeling anywhere else. And yeah. if I if I had never um, if I had never experienced that performing. You know, you almost wouldn't even know that that sort of feeling exists. And, no, right, exactly. And it's like to to miss out on that. To, like, you know, so uh, it, it brings to mind uh, like all the stories about like the early jazz guys. Like they they would play, and like obviously they're great. Like Charlie Parker and like Miles Davis and all those guys also had wicked drug habits. Oh yeah. Um, but it also makes you wonder, like. Like, did that, like, uh, mentality of abusing drugs and, like, uh, addictiveness have something to do with the high they experienced the first time they played with That's the group? really interesting. And that happened. Yeah. I, I've really heard that connection before, but yeah. now that, like, I can say from, like, a first-person experience that, like, I've experienced that, like, that buzz, like, the second you hit, like, that, like, a, a trill or, like, a quick, a quick, like, triplet or something like that. What you were going to say. Yeah. Second, I injected that. Yeah, as soon as you just, hit that crack pipe. First, first hand experience. <laughs> shaker. First hand Okay. As soon as I flicked that big lighter, it's just. <laughs> up, like firing up little notes. Here we go. <laughs> connection like firsthand is interesting because i've never thought about it like in a practical way before yeah uh so no, that's that just is fascinating yeah because i don't think we'd be drug addicts i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> like, i've also never hit a crack pipe not once in my life <laughs> oh we man we have a lot of time on our hands we might figure out <laughs> I think I there think there's nothing like <laughs> <laughs> slapping your thumb against that thick lighter. <laughs> Two sixteen in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, nothing wakes you up like a bump of coke. <laughs> uh, for the record, uh, we don't condone any drug use. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. We're all professionals. <laughs> we don't. That's not not our lifestyle at all. But if you're looking for a safe drug. Music. Yes. Absolutely. Take um, a solo in front of four dozen people yeah, yeah. in a smoky bar at 11 o'clock at night. Half of them there for the beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, so, I think we've kind of worn out that, yeah, I think we've kind of worn out that, that topic. Um, at least I hope we've added some, some insight to it, at least. Yeah. Uh, so... <clears throat> Just to go one step farther in this, um, like I said, this is our, this is our first podcast without Bobby. Uh, as of earlier this month, Bobby has moved out of state. Um, we don't know what that looks like going forward. Um, we don't know where he is. We don't have any idea <laughs> where he is. No. Um, no, but he, him and his wife uh, made a choice for themselves that we could do nothing but respect. 
Um, we love him greatly. He left on the greatest of terms. He's always welcome back, not just in our band, but in our hearts and our homes. Absolutely. With zero, zero, uh, reservation. Oh, either one of what you said. <laughs> um, he would need to wear a face guard. <laughs> <laughs> After where he's been. Um, but yeah. So, um, we hope to hear from him again shortly. Maybe at the very least we can get him on a podcast and get a life update from him. Yeah. Um, but we wish him the absolute best and hope to hear from him soon. Um, and then before we wrap it up, um, do we want to talk about uh, some recommendations? I know we've had a lot of time on our hands. Mm-hmm. So what have you guys been enjoying um, that you would recommend uh, to somebody else? So John Prine passed away because of coronavirus mm-hmm. right. and i got really into his music i like revisited again it's been a long time but like i forgot how much i love i love him so like his music so much his, his first few records in particular they're like dylan-esque except not it's hard to explain but john prine i've really been into it's it's hard to explain. Oh, Greg's not a big Bob Dylan fan, but I feel like he would like John Prine. I do enjoy John Prine. At least the the last two albums I have heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's written a lot of great stuff. But mm-hmm. Other than that, it's been you know a lot a lot of stuff. You know, getting ready for marching band and like things like that. So I've been listening to a lot of like you know DCI Dylan stuff. A lot of Sousa, huh? <laughs> a lot of John Phil. <laughs> uh, I will. I will go kind of. Jazz vein. Uh, McCoy Tyner, uh, who is really famous for his work in John Coltrane's group, um, piano player, died this year as well. And going back and listening to some of his music, uh, especially like his album, The Real McCoy, um, is just unbelievable. The You know his piano playing as soon as you hear it. Like it's, it's unmistakable. And, and people do a lot to try to copy it. And to have that much of an impact on an instrument that so many people have played and so many jazz piano players are incredible at, to have that unmistakable seal on your music, um, you know, 60, 70 years later is, is just wild to me. And just going back and revisiting some of that music has been, has been really cool. I've been reading an insane amount. I, I used to, <clears throat> I used to probably. I used to be lucky to get through four to six books in a calendar year. And I've been reading a book a week since the first week of March. Just brag uh, about it, right? Just brag about it, man. Dude, it's, it is That's just, I mean, it's going, going back to uh, one of Jordan's first comments of the day, um, I mean, it's just, I, I, my ideal day hasn't changed. I mean, I have always, always, always wanted to read more, but that's a personal thing. And as an educator like you are, Jordan, a lot of my, a lot of my identity is found in that job and, and in supporting my coworkers and supporting my kids, and I get a lot of joy out of that. Uh, and so I, I have because I don't have uh, kids to inspire to work with, and I don't have coworkers to to collaborate with. It's just me, and and I've um, been able to really knock a lot of books off my shelf that have been on my to to do list. So having read, uh, I mean, probably a dozen books since this whole thing started, the best book I've read in years is Margaret Atwood's The Testaments. It is, fa- I haven't even finished it yet, and it is amazing. It's unbelievable. And I, I, was, I was talking with my mom about it a little bit because I, I'm in talking with my sister. We know what my mom likes and we know what she doesn't like, and so we were a little reticent to recommend A Handmaid's Tale to her because I, I just don't know. I don't know if she's going to like it. And I'm thinking back on all the reasons I love the Testaments, which is a sequel to that. Um, and it's, it is a fantastic sequel. It also builds off of the TV show amazingly well, but I was, it's honestly just a good standalone book. So I don't care who you are. Do you need to read the first book to really dig that second book? I think you would probably appreciate things in it more having read the mm. having read the first book what about and seeing watched, the show yeah. that's the same thing i think you'd probably appreciate yeah. things in testaments a little more um but it's just a good book and they they it's not like you're jumping into it's not like a season of breaking bad where it's 
90 miles an hour right off the get-go. It yeah. has its own, it builds up new characters and it sets the, the situation. Um, the exposition is really clean. Like you said it's a sequel was... to The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. Yep. Oh not, my gosh. I've not read that. Fantastic. Or seen that <clears throat> show. Yeah, it's on yeah, Hulu. Three, but I've heard, three seasons. Yeah, I heard it's great. Cool. How about you, Dave? Well, um, so I'm having trouble narrowing mine down for a couple reasons. Um, throughout this conversation, we've talked about like the different sides of us that we have to nourish a little bit. Um, Are you talking about your belly? No, Mm-mm. no, because throughout this quarantine, I've done nothing but nourish my belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like like ninety percent of the rest of America. Uh, yeah. Everything else is malnourished, but my belly is fully nourished. Uh, correct. Uh, right. Um, so I'm gonna recommend a few things. I'm gonna break the break the rules a little bit. Um, so first and foremost, I want to recommend uh, if if you're definitely staying inside the house, you don't want to leave, you don't want to go anywhere, and have no desire to go outside, at least that part of your person, watch Lock and Key on Netflix. Fantastic. Um, it's actually based on, uh, I think you called it a graphic novel by mm-hmm. Joe Hill, um, who, fun fact, is the son of Stephen King and brings everything to the table you think would be fantastic about Stephen King and also a graphic novel. Wonderful. He also wrote uh, Horns, which um, uh, Dan Radcliffe was in a couple years ago. It was a movie. Wonderful movie. Uh, I'm not, not recommending that. You can watch it if you want, but it's not a recommendation. It's like a fun fact. Okay. Uh, and then there's also a show he has right now on called Nosferatu. Also, not my recommendation. I had to erase those. All right. Yeah, okay. Ignore all this. <laughs> these, these Lock are... and key Netflix. I'm really getting off track. Um, we need so, a little parentheticals here. So if you need if you need a little whimsy uh, in your in your home life, Lock and Key is the way to go. Um, I also recommend uh, for your thoughtful side. Uh, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Mm. Uh, wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, and everything else that's going on in the world, it's very, very enlightening as to like the really, really terrible things that can happen and mm-hmm. have happened in the world without a really serious political take on it. Yeah. Just kind of like a firsthand experience of what that's about. It's funny because it's Trevor Noah. It is hilarious. But it's so educational. I, I feel yes. like he's a really good teacher um because he's always got a simile or a metaphor for the situation he has a great way of giving you new information based on information you already have right and it's not political no i want to drive that point home like like it it really doesn't take a political stance Mm -hmm. at all except that apartheid was terrible um (laughs) (laughs) i think the general consensus would agree um one would surely hope yeah so trevor noah born a crime um wonderful book uh it like i'm not much of a reader as much as i'd like to be um, and it was a very, very quick read for me. It was it was just so fluid. Um, and then lastly. Three? Three. Right. Because this one is, is, is part of your human side. Um, go outside with uh, a family member or a dear friend and do something together. Um, go for a hike. Go for a walk. Go fishing. Share a moment together and just experience that entire moment without your phone without a pretext at all just enjoy the time you have together that's my recommendation second that yeah um so again thank you guys for tuning in to the paper street post um hopefully we're going to keep these a little more uh consistent uh and hopefully you'll enjoy the new setup we have um thank you for uh working with us on this on the sound quality of this one this has not been our our best experience so far but the kids the uh, kevin McAllisters of the world uh have been thoroughly enjoying themselves um so again thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time so long deuces